Awesome. Cool. Can you can you hear me? Am I on? I'm on. I'm on. Oh, good. We're live. Ready to go. How are we all going? Good? Awesome. That's great. Hey, I want to read scripture just straight up, and it's Isaiah 61. And um, I want this to soak into us from the beginning because I think it's a powerful call to have on our lives individually and as a church. And so this is Isaiah 61. Um, And you follow in at at home as well. There's what it says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord, meaning the sovereign Yahweh, is upon me. For the Lord has appointed me to bring what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell all those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will, bring, he will give a crown of beauty instead for their ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted. Why? What does it say? It says, for his glory. And I reckon that's a pretty amazing thing. I reckon that's a pretty huge call to have on our lives. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing that God entrusts to us. And so as we, we look into this, um, I want to pray because I want the Holy Spirit to come and speak. Speak through me and to us. Is right? Does that sound all right? When we quickly pray, God, we want to thank you for your presence that's here with us. We want to say that we, we love you and we need you and we want to position ourselves in a place where we're ready to hear from you. And so come by the power of your Holy Spirit and do the work that only you can do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Uh, yeah, Twig mentioned that we are just launching into a series called Awakening and um, it would be a great series for us as a church as we go through the Bible and we pull out uh, moments in the Bible where uh, we hear about great awakening. And we do, we're going to do that because it encourages us, it fills us with faith. We see how God works in and through his people. And tonight, I want to talk into uh, one of the passages in Acts 2, because it's Pentecost Sunday. And some people may not know what that means, but it means it's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And it's a significant time, because in this moment of Pentecost, it shows a great, a great awakening that took place through the power of the Holy Spirit to the apostles but then also as a result of that, then a great awakening that happened to the people. And so that's what we want to talk on. And I was reminded as I was preparing this, I don't know if it was the sermon that prepared, the passage that did it all, whether it was a photo that I got sent to me of Tyrone Thomas at the Sundays sailing. All right, now once I got rid of the jealousy and the bitterness, I got down to appreciating the photo of him on a catamaran in his white linen outfit. No, he wasn't really. But he was there on the boat just looking out. And it reminded me of, of four years ago when my wife and I got to experience that and we went away with um, Bree's parents, family, um, to the Whit Sundays and we boarded, we, we chartered this um, catamaran uh, which sleeps, I think, six or more people 
And what we did for eight days is sail around the islands of the Whitsunday. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? That's what we did. And so you could, um, you just go and you would sail to a destination, one of the islands, you'd go into an inlet or a cove and you would pull up and you had to pull up before 4pm and just radio in to say that you made it and you're alive. And so we did this and we embarked on this adventure. Bree's dad had done a bit of sailing before, quite a switched on guy. And so he was like, cool, let's get out there and let's sail. And you can motor with the diesel engines or you can actually pull up the sails and go for it. And so we did a bit of that. But this one particular day, I remember it. Um, we got up in the morning, had breakfast, snorkeled, swim, did our swim. And then we thought, let's, let's head south and we'll go to another inlet, which is meant to be an amazing spot. And so we thought we'd do that. But the problem was that this day that we chose to head south was a strong wind in the wrong direction. And so, but, you know, there's Ray. He was like, mate, call me Skipper Ray. Let's do this. Grabs the helmet. So let's let this puppy fly. You know what I mean? So we get out. He launches the sails and we begin to go. Now, when you are traveling against the wind... What you need to do is you need to tack. So that means you sail zigzag style until you get to your destination. And so we did that. We, we threw the sails up and we went, I don't know, it felt like 10 minutes out to sea and then we turned around and came 10 minutes back to the land and then we did this, we're back, forth, back and forth and it was a rough day. And from um, my early years of surfing, I don't get to do it pretty much anymore but I remember what you do is one thing I'd do is I'd lock onto a, a, a spot on the land to be the place where I could know that that's where I launched that's where I wanted to stay and I could work out whether the current was pulling me left or right you know what I mean that was my spot I knew I could come back to well what was happening is we're going back and forth and back and forth as I realized I'd picked a mark and we weren't moving from that mark I mean, we're talking about maybe half an hour later and we're still looking at this same spot. And what had happened was the people up the front, Bree and the other girls were getting more and more sick and the complaints got louder and louder. And obviously Jed and I weren't any help because you need more than two people to sail it. But we were out the back fishing and he was there at the helm trying to make this happen. In the end, we were saying, Ray, let's just, let's drop the sails because we're not going to get to this inlet. Like, you know what I mean? It was going to take us a week to get there. So eventually he gives up and says, fine, and drops the sails. We motor there, pull into this amazing inlet the colour comes back into people and it's calm and beautiful but what I remember from that if you do not have the winds coming in from behind you you are going to be fighting against something you mean you're not going to be making any ground you'll be sitting there at the helm of this thing putting on every bit of human effort but getting nowhere and I'm not knocking um, Ray's ability to, to skipper. It wasn't his fault. It was probably Jed and I because we weren't helping out to make it possible. But the thing was, I remind me of the fact that sometimes in our lives, if not half the time in our lives, actually most of the time in my life, we go about trying to navigate and discover life's purposes and we've forgotten that there's a higher calling on our life. We just go back and forth. And other times in our lives, we're so busy trying to leave a legacy or make a life count or trying to be someone that we forget that God has a purpose for our life. And sometimes we know that we have a purpose and a calling in our life, but we get so consumed by the obstacles that are in front of us 
that we never get past it to do the things that God has called us out, the giftings, the unique giftings he's given us in order to do that. And what I've, I've navigated through this, what I've, I've realised more and more is that we need a fresh awakening constantly of our lives that there is a calling on our life, a God-given calling, and then there is a power in which God wants to do that calling through. And this is why I want to look into Acts. This is why I want to look into this, this passage tonight. Because it made me realise there's a true purpose, there's a, call, a true calling and there's an, a power, only a power that can come from God that can allow us to accomplish what this true calling is on our lives. And so you can pull out um, Acts, we're going to start in Acts 1, so you can pull that up in your Bibles or it'll be on the screen as well. But I want to give us a good background because I'm always intrigued in the background of what takes place before some of these scriptures. And so if it doesn't make, you know, if you're not intrigued by this, too bad, I'm speaking, so you're stuck with me now. So this is what happens. Acts takes place after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and then there's, the gospel, and then there's Acts. And we know through the Gospels, is accounts, eyewitness accounts, telling about Jesus' life, Jesus' miracles, Jesus' healings, Jesus' teachings, his interactions with people. The Gospels tell us about Jesus' purpose, his mission, his heart, and then it talks about his death and his resurrection, which is significant for us as followers of Jesus because we know we serve a living God. Now Luke, who was actually one of the writers of these Gospels, goes and writes Acts. And Acts takes place just straight after these Gospels. Because we've heard how Jesus died, but Paul goes on to write the next stage. And now the Jews, they're in the the middle of a series of solemn festivals, which they did every year which God had put in place back in the Old Testament to remind the Jews that God was their provider. Reminding the Jews that God was everything, their creator, their provider, their protector, their hope, and ultimately their salvation. And there was two of these festivals, there was many of them, but two particularly that fell 50 days apart of each other. There was the Passover, which the Feast of First Fruits took place. The Passover was a week-long um, festival ceremony they did. And then the second one was the Feast of Weeks. And what required is all of these feasts required every able-bodied Jew, every able-bodied male Jew to come back to Jerusalem to attend these festivals. You can read this in Exodus. You can read this in Deuteronomy. Because they'd scattered throughout the world whether it's through slavery, through persecution, whether it was family, business, I don't know what it was, but they'd scattered. And here they were coming back for these festivals. And they would do this because they'd bring either their first fruit or the first part of their harvest and present it at the temple as a way of expressing their thanksgiving for God's provision, their way of saying, God, thank you for being such a faithful and providing God. But the significance of these two particular feasts was this. 
the week-long Passover celebration would be something they would do every year to give thanks to God for bringing their people, the Israelites, out of slavery and into the promised land from underneath the rule of Pharaoh. I don't know, do you remember that story? The Israelites are enslaved. They're being oppressed. And what happens is Moses saw the brutality and the oppression of his people under the rule of Pharaoh. And so he goes to Pharaoh and says, you've got to let these people go. Let them go and and inhabit their land. And, And Pharaoh, being defiant against God, said no. And God, in order to awaken Pharaoh from his defiance, he goes, talks to Moses and says, go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, uh, in order to awaken you, God is going to send a plague. And you can either listen to him or not. And Pharaoh says no. And this happens nine times until we get to the 10th time. And God tells Moses, he says, go to the Israelites and tell them that tonight an angel of death is going to pass over Egypt. And I want you to tell that every person that sees me as their God, I want them to take the blood of an unblemished lamb and I want them to take that blood and put it on the doorposts as a sign of saying that I am their God. And then as the angel of death passed over, they would see that you are mine and the angel of death won't touch you. And so this takes place, and you imagine the next morning, the mourning and the sorrow that passed over through Egypt, including Pharaoh's house. And Pharaoh calls him Moses, he's like, get your people out of here, and you take your God with you. And so they go, and they inhabit the promised land. The other festival was the festival of weeks where they came and brought just not their first harvest, but it seems to be where they would come and give thanksgiving for where Moses went up to meet with God on the mountain. Remember that as I was moving towards the promised land, the Israelites came and God met with Moses. The Israelites stayed at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Moses went up there and met with God. And God gave them Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and way of telling about God's love and telling about ways of living for them in community. And the reason why this is so significant because as we're about to read in Acts, something significant takes place in the festivals of that year. Because something was going to take place that would turn the world upside down. A new covenant was going to come and be formed between God and man. Something that the Israelites, that the Jews had longed for. Things that the prophet Joel had written about and many others long before in the Old Testament. See, this particular Passover that had been celebrated for generations, someone else's blood was going to be poured out for the people. It was Jesus, God's one and only son, sent for humanity. Jesus who had committed no crime, who was beaten, whipped. And his blood flowed as he was nailed to the cross for you and me. And three days later rose victorious. 
And this is powerful for us as believers because where the blood of an unblemished lamb was shed and placed on doorposts for the protection and freedom and the release from um, oppression under Pharaoh's rule, now the blood of Jesus was poured out once and for all as the final sacrifice so that we no longer had to be under the oppression and penalty of sin. Is that not an incredible thing? This is what Jesus did for us. The one thing that was the end of us, our sin, and Jesus comes through his blood and becomes the final sacrifice, releasing us from the oppression and penalty and the guilt of sin. This is why Matthew 26 verse 2 says, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 9 says, for Christ... Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leavened bread, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and of truth. This is where we pick up Acts 1. Because the Passover has just finished and Jesus has just been resurrected. And we are heading towards the next feast, which is in 50 days. And this is what Acts 1 verse 3 says. After his suffering, he, which is Jesus, presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus didn't go straight to heaven, but he came and he wanted to reaffirm the disciples, reaffirm his followers and said, hey, remember when I said that I would die, but I'd rise again. I'm telling you, this is what happened. You don't have to doubt it. I am the son of God. And then it says, he appeared to them over a 40 days, 10 days out from this feast of weeks. And it goes on to say that he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. In other words, reaffirming them about what the true purpose was. And then it says that on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem. But I want you to wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, is this going to be the time you restore the kingdom of Israel? Almost totally forgetting what they'd learned. He says, no, 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 like it's not your time to know the times and dates that the Father has set by his own authority. You're missing the point. Don't worry about that. And he says this to them, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you because you, and he points to them and said, you, well, I don't know if he pointed to them, but I'm thinking he did, pointed to them and said, you will be the witnesses in Jerusalem. And you will be the witnesses, my witnesses in Judea. And then he goes to really make the, the, the um, call more and more difficult. He says, and then you're going to go into Samaria. It's like Samaria. Like the Samaritans hate us and we hate them. You know what I mean? They're our enemies. He's like, yeah, I want you to go into Samaria. This is why I want you to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to go into the ends of the earth. Almost like he's saying, wake up. Remember, it's not about... Israel becoming this mighty nation. It's about me and my children. 
It's about people coming and hearing about the saving grace of Jesus. It's about people knowing that they can have a relationship with me. That is the true cause. And after this, in verse 9, it said he was taken up before them, in their, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And as they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him and said, Men of Galilee, he said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? And then it goes on to say that they left the mountain and the Sabbath day walked back to their accommodation. They went upstairs and it says in verse 14 that they joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary of Mother Jesus and his brothers. 40 days since Jesus had been brutally bashed and murdered and nailed on a cross for their salvation, for my salvation, fresh in their mind. 40 days since his resurrection. The one who they drew their strength from, they drew their hope from. And and their, their Jesus was no longer with them. He'd gone to be with the Father. And all they knew was this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father had promised, which you have heard me speak about. And then they knew that they were going to receive power by the Holy Spirit. And then they knew that there was a call that was greater than any other call they could ever imagine. And that was to go and be his witnesses. And so here they are, 10 days until the next festival, Pentecost. They drew aside and they prayed constantly. Didn't know when that gift was coming and I don't think they understood the fullness of what that gift was. And we step into Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, which is actually the first day of the festival of weeks, they were all together in one place, which to me shows there was unity and there was agreement, and they had one heart. And it says this in verse 2, suddenly a sound like, a blow, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And this is what verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And listen to this, as who enabled as the Spirit enabled them, not in their own strength, not in their own ability, not in their own thing that they could conjure up, but actually it was as the Spirit enabled. I don't know if you've ever read through this and thought about it and go, and had one of those moments where you realize God knew exactly what he was doing, wasn't he? The fact that on the festival that was to celebrate God freeing their people from Pharaoh's slavery and oppression is the same festival in which God chose for his son to die and rise and be risen again so that we could be free from slavery and oppression. And then on the very first day of the festival of weeks in which all God's chosen people returned home and celebrated the first harvest, but also to celebrate when Moses went up to meet with God is the moment that God came down and met with his people. I find that fascinating. Why would the creator God come down and meet with his people? I'll tell you why. 
It was only because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And now God sees all those who have put their trust in him, in Jesus, as holy and righteous. It's only because of Jesus. When we put our trust in him, he forgives us, he removes our sin, and we are now holy and righteous in God's eyes. Not because of what we've done, not because of what we've achieved, not for all our efforts, but because of what Christ did. And now God doesn't just come down and meet with his people. He doesn't just come down and do shoulder to shoulder life with his people, but actually God comes and dwells in his people. You are now God's temple. And this is for us today. This is when Jesus comes into your life, when Jesus forgives us of our sins, the Holy Spirit comes and then lives within us. And that is why there's passages like Romans 8.11 that says the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in who? Lives in you. It lives in me. And I find this amazing. But here's God who was so, seems so distant. Where if you were to do life with God, you'd have to go through a priest. You mean they'd have a curtain. But now our God, because of what Jesus did on the cross, comes and does this amazing thing of being so intimate in our lives that he comes and dwells within us. Which means the Holy Spirit brings a power which can only come from God for God's purposes. Which was to go out into all the world. Because I don't know about you, but I see for great awakenings, it can't come from human strength. It can't come uh, from you know, well-strategized things. God calls us to do stuff like that. But when we're talking about awakening, awakening in our lives, awakening in the lives of people that God's entrusted around us, when we realize that we're in a spiritual battle, that Satan doesn't want people to come and know Jesus, well, I'll tell you what, it's going to need more than the power that comes from me. It's going to have to come from the one who conquered the grave. John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Sometimes I used to think that, I'd be like, why, why did Jesus have to go? You know what I mean? Like sometimes I think, why can't he just be here with me and I can always just quiz him and talk to him about stuff? Because this is what John 16, 7 says, but in fact, it is best for you that I do go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will be the one to convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So for me, this is saying that God wants to come and dwell in us to do his work. Sometimes I read it and I'll go, God wants to come and dwell in us and I'll go off and do his work. 
but is saying, no, no, he wants to come and dwell in us to do what only he can do. And he wants us to be conduits of that. And this is why it's so critical for us to have a fresh awakening and understanding of not just the call on, that Jesus has placed on our lives, but a fresh call that it can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, who, if you're a follower of Jesus tonight, lives inside of you. So many times I journey through life and I forget that the same power that raised, from the, from the dead, raised Christ from the dead actually lives in me. I'm flat out trying to get all these things done and say, God, I'm going to do all these things for you. Or how is my friend going to come to faith? Or how are we going to make this situation work? How are we going to bring life in this university? How is this going to work in these family situations? But God's saying, John, it's not about you. It's about what I'm going to do in and through you. Not, John, it's not your work, it's not your visions, it's not your plans. It's not my role to try to produce some movement of God in my own strength and wisdom. It's all about God. And this is what verse 5 says, it says this, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. To me, that sounds like the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit equipped his people. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, aren't you all people who are speaking in different language, but you're Galileans? How is this possible? How are you out there speaking our native languages? Remember, it's from all across the world they'd come back in. And it goes and lists all the different people from different, all the different places. But this is what 11 says, verse 11. We hear them declaring the what? The wonders of God in our own tongues. So when we cry out and we ask for the Holy Spirit to do something in our lives, when we ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, it is never for our own agenda. It's never for us to have these moments where we think, oh man, yeah, now I've got it, now I can go. No, no, it's always to go and do a purpose. The wonders of God, declaring the wonders of God into the nation. See, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit always points to God. And the Holy Spirit is always doing God's will. In verse 12, said, they were amazed and perplexed and asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them made fun of them and said, you guys have had way too much wine. And this is what happens when you realise the power of the Holy Spirit has come in you. And you realise that it's no longer you speaking, but it's the power of the Spirit speaking through you. Because this is what happens. Peter, who denied Christ, God still chooses to use him and says, Peter stood up with the eleven. And I reckon at this point he was having in his mind thinking the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within me. And he probably had the words ringing of what Jesus just said 10 days prior that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he raises his voice and he addresses the crowd. And he says, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And this was Joel's prophecy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons, your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he continues on and down in verse 37, it says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Do you think there was awakening from his words or do you think there was a power of the Holy Spirit speaking through him? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And guess what? you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Do you know how significant that is? Because 300 people there came, uh, 3,000 people realized the call of Jesus on their life and experience what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within them. And then that 3,000 then goes back to their homes, their communities, their villages, their universities, their schools, their families. And they begin to do life with people, not in their own strength, not in their own abilities, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And for me, I think great awakening is firstly when you, the Holy Spirit awakens you, and maybe some people need this tonight, to the fact that you need a saviour. You've never been aware of the fact that you separated, we were separated from God because of our sin, but Jesus came to forgive you and to set you free. And tonight that might be the greatest awakening that you need tonight because it will change your life. But maybe for us it's an awakening that tonight you need to recalibrate back to the fact that Jesus has a call on your life which trumps every other call that you might be clinging on to tonight. And then for the awakening of for you, us as a group of people to be awoken to the fact that God dwells within us. What does God want to do in and through you? What are you holding back from tonight because maybe you're feeling not gifted enough? Maybe you've been waiting for someone to speak, some, uh, speak a word over your life. Maybe you've been waiting for a clearer calling to go. Maybe you don't know what to say. I, I want us to know that the Holy Spirit is with us. And that comes and brings great victory. God is with us when we have a tangible experience with the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit is with us when we don't. The Holy Spirit is with us, uh, you know, when we feel like we can't do it. The Holy Spirit is with us when we're on the mountaintop or in the valley. It's a letting go and taking a trusting in. And so that's my call for us tonight. That's what I believe God has laid on my heart 
is that if we're going to be a church, and I'm going to get the band to come up, that has that, that passion of what Isaiah 61 says, if we believe that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, because he's called me out to bring good news to the poor. He's sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. He sent each one of us to go and set the captives free, set the prisoners free for those who are in a moment of mourning, telling them about the Lord's favour, where there's a, a, a giving them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair, that we'll be a people that are like great oaks, not for our own selves, but for his glory. And God wants to send us out tonight because God has gifted you. God has poured out his spirit on you. God has given you unique giftings and callings because this is the body of Christ. Not for you to be someone else, not for you to try to, oh, if I can only get up to this stage, then God will use me. No, no, no. He's called you and uniquely designed you because he has poured out his Holy Spirit into you because he wants to lay, he wants to begin to bring those giftings out because he's called you into unique places around this globe, whether it's here, whether it's like Judea in the surrounding suburbs, maybe it's Samaria in a place where you do not feel like you're loved. Maybe it is abroad. And you can't do this in your holy in yourself. It's only through the Holy Spirit. And so as we get closer to this 21 days, it's a praying and asking God, thank you for your spirit that's within us. Lord, may we step aside and may your spirit come. And so will you stand with me right now? And I'm going to ask, just while eyes are closed, if tonight, and I'm not going to point you out, I'm not going to do anything like this, this is between you and God, but just as an, just a, a commitment kind of thing. If you tonight want to give your life to Jesus, this is the moment to do it. You've never heard that Jesus loves you. You've never heard that he wants to forgive you and he wants to set you free and that God wants to come in and dwell within you. And if that is you, I'm just going to encourage you right now just to put up your hands just for a few seconds and you can put them down. And say, God, awaken me. And then tonight for us as a church, may we be awakened. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes and awakens us to a freshness of what His call is not the call that we've been putting on our lives and a fresh awakening to the fact that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, not through the power of man. Because that way you can go and do things, you can step into obstacles, you can step into places where you're like, I am so out of my depth, but God goes, that's all right, I'll equip you because it's my Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we we come and thank you. Thank you that you dwell within your people. Lord, you didn't come just to do side-to-side work with us, but you came and live and dwell in and amongst your people. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. The same God who flung stars into place 
that breathe life into my lungs wants to come and dwell within me. And I thank you, you've done that through what Jesus has done on the cross, that you've made a way for that. But Holy Spirit, we wanna step out of the way. And we ask that you will come by your Holy Spirit and do a work that you can only do in our lives a refreshment, a fresh stirring, a letting go of other directions and taking firm of the call you have on our life, allowing your Holy Spirit to do the work. Lord, when there's obstacles seem too big to not look at from man's directions, but actually see that the Holy Spirit, God, you are gonna do the work that you wanna do because it's you in us doing the work through us, Lord God. And Lord, we long for a, a city and a nation and for families, for universities, for schools, whatever it is, to have a fresh awakening of this. And so, Lord God, you're calling us tonight to be awakened to the fact that you're calling us to go and be your hands and feet. And so do that, I pray, through this time of worship right now. In Jesus' name.
prophet Joel said, in the last days, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This morning, we were just praying for people in the morning service just to come down, just to be anointed and just to ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of Him. And I just sense it's such a it's such an important day. And I didn't want you to miss out on that tonight. Just, a, uh, just an opportunity to be prayed for tonight as we sing this song, an opportunity just to be anointed fresh, just an opportunity for God to fan in the flames what He might already be doing in your heart or an opportunity just to recommit your heart to Him tonight. And so there's an opportunity in this, just to respond to Him. There's some anointing oil here. And if you just want to come down in this in this time, you can just be quickly prayed for and just ask God to just refresh and uh, re-anoint your heart and your soul. So as we sing these words, you feel free to come, come down to respond uh, to our great God. Let's continue singing.
true great God you are you deserve all the glory all the honour and all the praise Father and you know this is such a significant day Father as we just uh, as we just reflect upon what you did on Pentecost Sunday just just a, a fresh infilling of your spirit just an empowerment of you great God and Lord there's 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 elements in our lives that we just simply do not have the strength to to walk in the plans and the purpose you have for us great God this is why we need the empowerment of your Holy Spirit and so thank you God that you haven't left us as your word says that uh, you say it's better that I go because then I'll send my helper who dwells within us great God we thank you for that promise. This very week, there's people that need to surrender stuff to You. This very week, there's people that need to uh, forgive, to let go of, to surrender over, to hand over, or, or maybe things that people need to commit to this week. And I just thank You, great God, that as we surrender that, that You'll empower us to, to make those changes, to see those things take place in and through our lives. So great God, there's many here that need to see the work of You in their own personal lives and the outworking through that as well, great God. So thank You that You're gonna bless and lead this very week. We just say again, Lord, that we love You so much. Thank that we can call upon You at any time, at any time. Uh, yeah, we honour You. We worship You, great God. And we love You so much in Jesus' mighty and precious Name. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's been so good to have you online. So good to have you here. If you want prayer, please, you can still come and get prayer. We would love to pray for you. Uh, but it's been really good to have you here. May God empower you this week. Whatever you need to do, may you listen and walk in obedience to Him this week. And um, yeah, I pray you have an awesome week. God bless you so much and we'll see you soon.